0: Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. <clears throat> John, chapter 10, I'll read verses 10 through 18. John, chapter 10, in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is a, he who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them. And scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice. And they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. In this chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus gives two of his I Am statements in which he identifies himself as the Savior and the great work that he does for us. This morning we looked at the first of these in verses 1 through 9, in which Jesus, in the beginning of verse 9, says, I am the door. I am the only door, the only way of access to the Father. The only entrance into the kingdom of God, the only mediator between God and man, I am the door of the sheep. This evening we come to the second of these great I am statements, found in the beginning of verse 11, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and then he repeats it again in the beginning of verse 14, I am the good shepherd, We want to look at verses 10 through 18 this evening, a most important passage in the scripture because it brings us to the very heart of the gospel message. Jesus speaks here throughout. He declares his mission into the world, which was to accomplish God's way of salvation through his own death upon the cross. And here we have Jesus Christ preaching himself and who he is as the Son of God from heaven. This is Jesus preaching the purpose of his coming into the world, which was to lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus speaks more here about his cross than in any other passage in the Gospels. As one man said, the greatest person in the world is Jesus Christ, and the greatest event that ever took place in this world is, was, his cross. And here we have Jesus preaching both of them. The greatest person that ever lived preaching the greatest event that has ever taken place in human history. Paul said to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And here we have Jesus Christ preaching himself and him crucified. We'll look at our passage under several headings tonight, and the first is that Jesus is the good shepherd of his sheep. In the beginning of verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. A most shocking statement for the Pharisees to hear and for others who were there on this occasion because it is a very direct statement of his own divine nature, his deity and his equality with God. The first words there in verse 11, he says, I am, which has reference to God's revelation to Moses back at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, where the Lord said to Moses, I am who I am. And that's where the name Jehovah comes from. And so when Jesus said here, I am, they would have understood that he is declaring himself to be Jehovah from the Old Testament. This has already taken place in John's Gospel back in John chapter 8 when Jesus said to the Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And they understood what he meant when he said, I am, because the very next verse they they picked up stones to stone him. And they desired to stone him for blasphemy because he was making himself out to be equal with God. Jesus here is declaring himself to be Jehovah, the great I am. The eternal, self-existent, and all-sufficient God. The immutable God who is independent And who needs nothing outside of himself. Everything in the universe comes from him and depends on him. But he himself depends upon nothing outside of himself. And this is who Jesus declares himself to be. I am. I am Jehovah. And the divine nature of Jesus becomes more clear. In the rest of his statement, he says, I am the good shepherd. Because God often identified himself as the shepherd of his people throughout the Old Testament. Psalm 23 in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 80 in verse 1. The psalmist prays, O give ear, shepherd of Israel. Thou who art enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm one hundred. We are Thee. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And in Ezekiel chapter thirty-four, God says, "I will care for my sheep, and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will feed them in good pasture." I will lead my flock, I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. So God has always been the shepherd of his people. And when Jesus here declares, I am the good shepherd, it was a clear statement of his divine nature that he is God who has come now in human flesh, the great shepherd. And Jesus' words here are also a declaration that, He is the Messiah promised by the Old Testament prophets because the Messiah was also to be a shepherd of his people. You remember in Matthew chapter 2 when Herod gathered all of the chief priests and scribes together and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they said in Bethlehem. Based on Micah chapter 5, and the quote reads like this, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. We find the same thing in Ezekiel 34. The Messiah was to be a shepherd. God says, Then I will set over them one shepherd my servant David, and he will feed them, and he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. So all of this is contained in these words, I am the good shepherd. I am Jehovah from the Old Testament scripture. I am the divine shepherd of my people. I am the Messiah who was promised by the prophets. I am, Jesus says, the good shepherd. The word good means beautiful or lovely. Literally, the words could read, I am the shepherd, the beautiful and lovely shepherd. It means that he is the most excellent one, he is supreme and superior to all others in his qualities and powers. Once again, an exclusive statement that Jesus makes concerning himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. It is not that there are many good shepherds out there and he is just one among many. He is the only one. He is the incomparable shepherd of his people. He is the shepherd who is most beautiful and lovely. He is above all others. And there is none other who is like him, nor can there ever be a shepherd like him. He stands in a class all by himself alone. I am the only good shepherd. What Jesus means here when he says, I am the good shepherd. He means that I am able from myself and from who I am as Jehovah and the divine shepherd of my people to meet all the needs of my sheep in this life and into eternity. I have all power. I have all love and wisdom in myself. I have all tenderness and compassion for them. I have all grace, all mercy within myself and strength for their every need. I am the good shepherd And whatever good thing, whatever benefit there may be for my sheep, I am able to provide for them and do in providence everything they need. I am able to make them lie down in green pastures where I will feed them and I will nourish their souls with my word. I am able to lead them beside still waters and I will send my Holy Spirit upon them and they will have joy and peace In believing, I am able to watch over them from my throne of power, to guard them, protect them from every danger that is against them. I am able to give them comfort and refreshment. I am the good shepherd who loves and cares for my sheep. When they stumble, I will pick them up again, and I will restore their souls. When they wander off from the path of safety when they catch themselves in the thicket and they have the briars of sin stuck upon them, I will not cast them off and leave them by the wayside. I will deal most tenderly and kindly with them. I will forgive them. I will cleanse them of all their sins and I am able to bring them back into the paths of righteousness. I am the good shepherd who is always patient and able to heal every disease of my sheep. When the wolves and the lions come and prowl about them, I am able to defend them. There will be no need that we will ever have in this life in which he is not able to help us in great abundance. There can be no trouble, no difficulty or danger which we will encounter from which he is not able to deliver us. And there is no perplexity out of which he is not able to guide us. I am Jehovah, he says. I am the eternal and the all-sufficient God. I am the good shepherd of all my sheep. He is the fulfillment of everything David said in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall never be in any want of any good or needful thing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is what this world is, I fear no evil, for thou art with me, thou art always with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is the good shepherd that Isaiah spoke of in chapter 40 and verse 11. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead the nursing ewes. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. I am the one who fulfills all these things for my people. And so if we would follow him, and if we would keep ourselves close to him as the good shepherd, then it would be well for our souls and we would find ourselves in the pathway of true happiness and true joy and contentment and peace even in this world. We should remember that Jesus was in a controversy here with the scribes and the Pharisees. And so everything he says here in this passage about himself is in contrast to the scribes and the Pharisees who were the false and evil religious teachers of his day. He is the good shepherd, but they are the hirelings who have no concern for the sheep. A hireling is one who is in it for his own gain, especially monetary gain, and the hireling abandon the sheep whenever danger comes. This is what he says in verses 12 and 13. He says, he who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. The scribes and the Pharisees were... The hirelings. And they are also the thieves who come to steal and harm the sheep. He speaks of them back in the beginning of verse 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so, what we see in this passage is how much Jesus hates false religious teachers by the ways in which he speaks of them here. They are hirelings, they are thieves. They are robbers and they come only to steal the sheep and then ultimately to kill them and destroy them. And in a most remarkable way in this passage, Jesus weaves together both condemnation of false religious teachers and blessings and comforts upon his own people at the same time. And we come to our second point tonight, which is that Jesus, the good shepherd, gives eternal life to his sheep. He gives eternal life to his sheep. This is what we see at the end of verse 10. In contrast to the false religious teachers who come to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus, the good shepherd, he says, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. This is why he came into the world. He says, I came. He means I came down from heaven. I left my throne of glory in that world above. I came down into this world for this one great purpose, that my people might have life, and they might have that life abundantly. He does not speak here of physical life, or any wealth of material things, some kind of an abundant material wealth in this life. He speaks here of inward spiritual life of the soul. He speaks of a wholeness and a well-being in every part of our souls, a life in which there is a continual renewal of our souls a spiritual life which only he can give, it is really what he speaks of here is the life of God within us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is what he speaks of more in chapter 14, where he promises that the Father will send to us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and abide within us. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And then he says of the Father that the Father will love you and we will come to you and make our abode with you. So that is what this life is. This is life of fellowship with God. Life in which God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit come down from heaven to dwell within the hearts of those who believe in the gospel. What life could be more abundant than that life of God within our souls? This is life in all of its fullness. This is life beginning in what it really is truly meant to be. Adam had abundant life in the Garden of Eden. He lost all life. He was cast out. Death ruled over him and death and separation from God has ruled over every man and woman ever since. But Jesus has come to restore us to life and even to a life far more abundant. In Adam, we all die. In Christ, we shall be made alive. It is a life that begins with a new birth. It is a life that begins with a new heart. It is a life in which we are new creatures in Jesus Christ. It is a life that we have never known before. Salvation came to us, an entirely new life, a supernatural life. It is the life of heaven that has now come down and begun in us. A new creation. It is eternal life begun in us. The word abundantly here means that which exceeds all expectations. Abundant life here is life that is exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever ask or think. Far greater, more excellent than we could really ever even imagine. It speaks of something which continuously and endlessly rolls in upon us. As one man says, like the waves that roll in upon the shore. Wave after wave, day after day, continuously, endlessly, these waves roll in. And so it is, this life continues to roll in, to be sent down from heaven upon our souls. We are not saying that we have no trials, no very deep trials in this life. We do. But as this life comes down from heaven upon us, it is an endless life. It is a life that can never be extinguished. And no matter what trouble we may go through in this world, this is life that continues. Because it is the life of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit within us. This is life that is always growing, increasing, into a greater and greater abundance and it will do so into eternity. This is eternal life, which Jesus gives to all of his sheep. I came, he says, I came down from heaven that they might have life and might have it abundantly. John has already spoken of this life. In the gospel, back in chapter 3 and verse 13, he said the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then verse 16, God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So this abundant life, is the eternal life of heaven that has already begun within us. John chapter 5 and verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life in the present and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. So this is life that is present already in this present world. We ask the question, how can Jesus give us this abundant eternal life? How can he give this to us? The answer is found in our next point, which is that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the for the sheep. The same thing at the end of verse 14. I lay down my life for the sheep. This is what really proves him to be the good shepherd more than anything else. is That he is willing, he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. It was out of love for his sheep because we were in danger Under the sentence of death, and we were especially under the danger of facing the wrath of God for our sins. And when the good shepherd could see no other way to rescue us out of our great danger, the good shepherd came and he was willing to lay down his life to rescue us from our danger. This is the great purpose for which he came into the world, to lay down his life for sinners And it was a willing and most voluntary laying down of his own life for us. We notice the language there at the end of verse 11. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is not something that was done to him. This was something which he did. He took his own life and he laid it down for the sheep. His life was not taken from him. He laid it down of his own will. His blood was not shed by force. It was poured out for many. John chapter 12, when Jesus came into Jerusalem for the last time, he knew the cross was right before him. And he said, now my soul has been Come troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. This is why he came into the world. When he was arrested, and Peter tried to defend him with his sword, Jesus said, Do you not think I can appeal to my Father? And he will at once send to my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? So his life was not taken from him. It was laid down by himself of his own accord. Five times in this passage, Jesus speaks of laying down his own life. We see it first at the end of verse 11, where he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A second time at the end of verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Then in verse 17, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And two more times in verse 18, he says, No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. In the beginning of verse 18, Jesus says, No one has taken it away from me. No man has ever taken it away from him. No council of the Sanhedrin and the chief priests and the Pharisees. No Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, no Roman soldiers, No one, no man, no power, no one has the power to take my life from me. But I lay it down of my own initiative. And so in verse 18, Jesus makes a statement of his divine sovereignty over life and death. He is Jehovah and he has the power of life and death in his own hands. He says, I have authority to lay my life down. And I have authority, I have power to raise it up again. I am the resurrection and the life. And I can raise the dead and I can raise even myself from the dead. I have authority to lay my life down. And I have authority to take it up again. Back at the end of verse 11, Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We notice that little word for, he lays down his life for the sheep. A most important word it means on behalf of the sheep, or for the benefit of the sheep. He lays down his life not for himself and not for any of his sins, for he had no sin. He is the good and excellent and beautiful shepherd, but his sheep had sins And they were the ones in danger of death. And so he came and he laid down his life on their behalf for their salvation. So it speaks here of a substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. This is Jesus laying down his life in the place of his sheep. His sheep were the ones who had sinned. His sheep were the ones who were under the sentence of death, but he came and laid down his life in their place and took the penalty they deserved upon himself. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What we have here is what is called the great exchange in which Jesus took our sins at the cross that he might give to us His righteousness. He took our death. That he might give to us. His eternal life. He took our poverty. That he might give to us. His riches. He took our shame. That he might give to us glory. Everything that was evil. And everything that was wrong. About us. Jesus took upon himself that he might give to us everything that is blessed and everything that is good about him. This is what he means. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and he did so willingly as the only way to rescue us from the great danger of our sin. Who are the sheep that Jesus speaks of here? They are God's elect. They are those that the Father chose in eternity and entrusted to his Son for salvation. Jesus speaks of the sheep down in the beginning of verse 29. He says in verse 29, he says, My Father who has given them to me. The Father, he elected them. The Father in eternity chose them and gave them to his beloved Son, For their salvation. Not all men are his sheep, the scribes and the Pharisees, whom he is condemning in this passage. They were thieves and robbers and hirelings. They were not among his sheep for whom he died. Jesus says to them in verse 26 He says, But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Notice, that he does not say, you are not of my sheep because you do not believe. He says, in this order, you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. In other words, if they had been elected by God the Father, if they had been given to him as his sheep, then they would come to believe. But as it is, their unbelief revealed that they were not among his sheep. They were not among those whom the father elected and gave to his beloved son. He laid down his life for the sheep and they were not among his sheep. Back in verse 11, when Jesus says at the end of verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This answers the question, for whom did Christ die? Did he die for every man and woman who has ever lived in this world? The answer is no. He died for the sheep. Those whom the Father had given to him in the plan of salvation. This is what is called limited atonement, definite atonement. Sometimes it is called particular redemption. That Jesus Christ, when he came into the world and died upon the cross, he did not die for every man and woman who would ever live. He died for God's elect. And John here very clearly limits the death of Christ to a very definite and particular group of people who are called the sheep, the same whom the Father elected and gave to the Son. The su- The good shepherd lays down his life, not for the world, not for every man and woman, but for the sheep. Down in verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He means we are one in the essence of the one God. We are one in purpose. We are one in will. We are one in unity in all the plan of salvation. And here is the unity of the three persons in the plan of salvation. God the Father elected his sheep in eternity. God the Father gave them to his beloved son. The son came into the world and died upon the cross for the sheep. And now the Holy Spirit comes and gives regeneration and this new abundant life to the sheep. And so there is this unity within the Godhead of the entire plan of salvation. And every one of his sheep will be saved. He says in the beginning of verse 28, I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them. Out of my hand, if even one of his sheep were ever to perish, then he would not be the good shepherd of the sheep, and his death upon the cross for them would be in vain. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and every one of them will be saved in the end. The last thing we see tonight is that Jesus loves and gathers in his sheep. He loves and gathers in his sheep. We see this intimate love and knowledge of Christ for his sheep in verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Once again, he states this again, who he is. And everything that he is contained in that phrase that we might meditate even more and spend more time upon this great truth. I am the good shepherd. And then he says, and I know my own and my own know me, even as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says there in verse 14, I know my own. He does not merely mean that he knows about them because he knows about all men and there is no one who is ever hidden from him. He knows all men. And so when he says here, I know my own, he means I know them most intimately. I know them personally. And I know them savingly. And I know them with the deepest possible love For them, a love that began in eternity. We notice he calls them my own because they belong to him, and we belong to him from eternity when the Father chose us and gave us to his beloved Son. So, this is the knowledge, this is the love of God's eternal foreknowledge in which God has loved his people from eternity. This is what Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, where he says, For whom he foreknew. That is, whom he knew in love from eternity before the foundation of the world, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. And here is another proof of my being the good shepherd that I have this eternal and intimate knowledge and love of each one of my sheep. I have known my own from eternity, and they know me. They will come to know me in time and by faith through the gospel. And this love and knowledge of Christ with his sheep is comparable to the love and knowledge between the Father and the Son As he says in the second half of verse in in, in verse fifteen, he says, "Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father." You remember in the book of Revelation to each of the seven churches, that Jesus could always say, "I know your deeds, I know your tribulations, I know your toils, I know your perseverance." He has known us from eternity, and he knows us in time. And it ought to be a very comforting thought to us that the one who has such knowledge of us in verse 14 is the same one who has such love for us to lay down his life for us in verse 15. He knows our past and present. He knows our place. And circumstances. He knows all of our weaknesses, all of our failures, all of our besetting sins. He knows everything about each one of us. And every trial, trouble, and sorrow that we experience, every anxious and fearful thought, He knows all of these things from heaven. There is nothing that we can pass through in this life that He is not fully, exhaustively aware of. We often think we are alone and no one knows what we are going through, but we are never alone for he is the good shepherd of Psalm 139 who knows when we sit down and when we rise up and he watches over us from heaven and he is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. The good shepherd who knows us so exhaustively is the good shepherd who has loved us and laid down his life to rescue us out of this evil world. He loves us and knows us, but then he also gathers in all of his sheep in verse 16. He says, and I have other sheep which are not of this fold. He speaks here of the Gentiles, other sheep which the Father has given him, and sheep for whom he has died upon the cross, but they are not of this fold. They are not of the Jewish people. They are of the Gentiles. And then he says, I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice. We notice Jesus says there, he says, I must. So here he speaks of something which he must do. He says, I must do this. It is the must of divine sovereignty. It is the must of divine certainty. It is like when God says, I will. When God declares something and he says, I will. There is nothing that can stop the power of his hand. And so this is what Jesus is doing here. This is what I will do. This is what I must do. I must bring in the Gentiles As well, I must bring my sheep from among the Gentiles as well. He looks forward here over the centuries through the entire time of the gospel in which we live and he is exalted on his throne in heaven and he knows all of his sheep because the Father has given them to him in eternity. And he has come into this world And he has laid down his life at the cross for those sheep that they might have eternal life and have it abundantly. And now he is in heaven. And though his sheep would be scattered to the farthest ends of the earth, among every tribe and tongue and people, he says, I will never let them perish. I will go to them. I must bring them in also. And this is how I will bring them in. They will hear. They shall hear my voice. The effectual call of Jesus through the gospel. I must bring them in, he says. And when I do that, they shall hear my voice. Wherever they may be, to the farthest ends of the earth, I will send my gospel to them and they will hear my living voice in the word he is the good shepherd like the man in the parable the shepherd in the sh- in the parable of jesus who had a hundred sheep and yet he lost one of them who went astray and he left the 99 on the mountains and he went and searched for that one that was straying and this is what jesus does to the ends of the earth to find the elect Among his people who are straying. He uses means to do so in the preaching of the gospel in the church and in the witnessing of his people, but it is Jesus ultimately who must find them and bring them in. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Whom he foreknew in love, he comes now to find them. Whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified and whom he justified, these he also glorified. We notice here that it is not us who find Jesus. It is him who finds us. It is the great good shepherd who comes and seeks his sheep and finds them and brings them in. And when we hear his voice as he says, they shall hear my voice. This is one of the characteristics of sheep. They always hear the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd. When the shepherd speaks to them, they know it is him and they follow him and that's what Jesus speaks of here. He is the great shepherd who speaks in the gospel and they shall hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we begin to believe in him, we begin to follow him and obey him. And all of these things are here. I will I must bring them also, he says, and they shall hear my voice. And then he says at the end of verse 16, And they shall become one flock with one shepherd, Jews and Gentiles from every nation brought into the one new body of the church. Christ is our peace who has broken down the barrier of the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, one flock, one church, with one shepherd who is Jesus Verse 17, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. The Father sent him into the world to go to the cross. And the Father loves obedience, and he loved the obedience of his beloved Son when he saw him laying down his life and taking it up again. Jesus closes this discourse here At the end of verse 18 where he says this commandment I received from my father. Referring to everything that he has said throughout this passage. Everything that is done for our salvation was by the eternal commandment of the father toward the son. The father commanded him to be the good shepherd to love and care for us. The father has commanded him to come into the world and lay down his life. For our sins. The Father has commanded him to search to be that great shepherd who brings us all in and we hear his voice in the gospel. The Father has commanded the Son to be the good shepherd and to accomplish all the things that he has spoken in this passage. He does it freely. He does it willingly of his own love for us, but he does it out of obedience to the Father as well. This commandment, he says, I have received from my Father. And so the question tonight is, for any who do not believe in our Lord Jesus, the question is, do you hear the voice of Jesus Speaking to you in the gospel. How do you know that you are saved? And how do we know that we are among his sheep, whom the Father gave him and for whom he came into the world to die? The only way we know is that we hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us in the gospel. And what does it mean? that we hear his voice speak to us. It means that we begin to recognize that the gospel is the truth. We begin to realize that there is truth in Jesus Christ and all of who he is and all that he says, as opposed to the falsehood that is in this world. To hear the voice of Jesus means that I have begun to recognize myself as a sinner who has sinned against the great and holy God in heaven and I am in great need for my sins to be forgiven and my only hope is found in Jesus Christ and in his blood that alone can wash me of all my sins. To hear the voice of Jesus means... That when I hear about him, when I read about him in the Bible, I begin to believe and I must, I say to myself, I must, I must follow him and I must begin to obey him and believe in him. To hear his voice means that you begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. To hear his voice means that you wish to know more and to see more of Jesus. You wish to walk in the light as he himself is in the light. You need salvation. And the gospel becomes to you the power of God to your salvation. And you say to Jesus, to hear his voice, is to say to him, Lord, to whom else shall we go, you have the words of eternal life. That's what happens when we begin to hear the voice of Jesus. We can no longer ignore him. We can no longer put him aside somewhere out on the periphery of our life. But when we begin to hear his voice, we recognize that he is Jehovah, and he is the great and mighty God, and he must take center place in our life. And he must be king, and we must humble ourselves, and we must believe in him and trust in him, and rely upon him alone for salvation. And he begins to work in us, to change us, and to make us new, and to walk in new paths. That's what it means to hear the voice of Jesus. He brings us to salvation. The good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, thank you for your beloved son, the Lord Jesus, who has come into this world of death to give us life and even to bring us into life abundantly. Thank you that he was willing, so willing to lay down his own life, to suffer in our place, to lay down his life for the sheep, thank you that he has been raised from the dead and he is exalted into your right hand. O oh Lord, what can we say but you have come to rescue us and to make us your own. We thank you and bless you and praise you and we have nothing in our hands that we bring but we look to Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. We pray that you would bless all of us here. And those who do not know you and believe in you, we pray that you would help them to find Jesus in the scriptures and to believe on him for their own eternal life. We ask that you would bless now your word to us and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.